Did the Giants make a mistake letting Kevin Gosman walk away in free agency? What is the state of their rotation right now with Logan Webb, uh, Alex Cobb being brought in, and of course, DeSclafani and Wood being brought back? So we'll get to that and so much more in part two of my crossover conversation with Miller Thomas of Locked on D-backs. All of that next on today's Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show we provide daily episodes, Monday through Friday, well actually not right now, now we're doing three days a week, so on this show we provide episodes three days a week for now, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, now including YouTube as well, so check us out there. And coming up on today's show, as I said, I'm going to air part two of my conversation with Millard Thomas from Locked on D-backs. He's scrutinizing the Giants offseason. The, the title of the last episode that was part one was, are the Giants having the worst offseason of any team? That's the question Millard had for me. And so I'm here kind of defending what they've done so far. So we're going to pick up this conversation talking about Kevin Gosman and then the rest of the Giants rotation. And then we're going to shift our attention to the top remaining free agents and where they fit. And we don't quite finish that conversation, so the rest of it will be coming up tomorrow. But without further delay, here is Millard Thomas talking about uh, the Giants not re-signing Kevin Gosman. Yeah, and I'm also guessing like probably Hamill and Rich Hill, probably the only two guys you just mentioned that were probably over the age of 30 as well. I'm guessing Nova and I'm guessing Jeremy Hellickson was only like 25 or 26 at the time. Like, I feel like he was probably pretty young at the time as well. So that, that just adds to the hysteria of it that these guys were probably in their primes, you know, probably considered the peak of their careers. And they still five years later couldn't live up to any deal that they probably got at the time so yeah the the five-year deals for pitchers or probably players in general can always be risky I think you probably want to go younger I mean we see a lot of these deals now coming for these young superstars like a Wander Franco before they even hit arbitration like let's just lock these guys up and if we could get it below market value uh might as well do it so that's pretty interesting that you bring that up I'm definitely gonna have to do some research on these five-year deals for some of these pitchers but if you were the GM of the Giants, Ben, do you think the second half of Kevin Gosman's season last year would have made you hesitant enough to not give him that five-year contract? Or did you see enough from him, his two seasons in San Fran, that you're like, oh, you know what? I actually think Gosman's worth a five-year, $100 million deal. It's a tough question. I mean, me personally, I I wanted them to bring back Kevin Gosman, but I also understand the risk aversion. And partially too with Kevin Gosman. He is a two-pitch guy. He 
he has a slider that he rarely throws and it's not a great pitch. He's fastball splitter and it's a good mix. I mean, when he's right, he can dominate with those two pitches, but two pitches makes me nervous five years down the road. Like any number of things can go wrong there. But I mean, that, there's a reason I'm not a GM. You know, I might think <laughs> that I would make great decisions, but it just looking back at that, those guys five years ago, it, it does tell you something because I probably, you know, people probably really wanted their team to sign Jeremy Hellickson and Yvonne Nova to these four MLB trade rumors predicted four year deals for each of those guys. And neither of those guys should have even been signed to a one year deal. If we go back and look at what the production was like the next year. So the, the two pitch thing does, it is a little bit of a red flag, especially because he just could not make it work mostly in the second half of the year. Yeah, that's interesting you bring up the two-pitch thing because that's been kind of my issue with Luke Weaver the last year and a half plus because he was the guy when he first came to Arizona that threw four pitches, fastball, cutter, changeup, curveball. But in 2021, he's basically just been fastball, changeup. He threw that over 90% of the time, and that just makes me feel like he can't really be a frontline starter if you're just throwing two pitches. Like I feel like that's not really sustainable. It feels like you become too predictable if it's like, all right, if I see the fastball seven straight times, see the next pitch is either going to be another fastball or it's going to be a changeup. Like <laughs> you can't, it's hard to fool hitters if you're only throwing one or the other. So I, I think, I think trying to trust a pitcher who only throws two pitches coming from a guy that has to watch a pitcher and try to believe in a pitcher that he could turn to a frontline starter, even though he only has two pitches, that does make me very wary. So I can't fault the Giants front office for not you know, signing a guy to a mega contract if he doesn't seem like he has the repertoire to live up to that contract over the long haul. Like, it, it, I think it was probably now that you really illustrate, you know, that he is a two pitch guy. I think it probably was a smart move for the Giants, considering also we had like a seven year sample size of Kevin Gosman prior to San Francisco, where he just was mediocre at best. And then the second half of this past season, he kind of went back to being uh, he's he probably wasn't as bad as he was before San Francisco, but he definitely wasn't the guy we saw in the first half of the season. So maybe when you look at the larger body of work with a Kevin Gosman, you look at the two pitch sample size or the two pitch uh, arsenal he has you look at his years prior to San Fran you look at the second half of last season and it's like there are a lot of red flags and indicators saying that maybe we shouldn't give this guy a big contract so we'll see with hindsight of course our opinions are going to change a year from now if Kevin Gosman goes on to have a season like Robbie Ray we're all gonna be like damn we were pretty dumb about Kevin Gosman maybe we we should have resigned him but we'll cross that bridge when we get there but Ben I want to ask you who you could bet on in that Giants rotation after Kevin Gosman leaving? Uh, after Kevin Gosman leaving, but if you want to bet on anything, Ben, do you know where you have to go? Bet online. <laughs> yeah, you got to go to Bet Online because Bet Online has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
There's not a more awkward transition than this podcast when we try to do those live ad reads. I can never do a nice clean segue to a live ad read. It's always awkward and, and, you know, just frantic mostly. But let's get back on track here, Ben, and get back to the crossover because how much do you trust that Giants rotation after Kevin Gosman leaving? Because I have to be honest, Ben, I'm not sure if I'm in love with this Giants rotation. Of course, Logan Webb emerged in 2021, but can I trust that? Is that repeatable we'll see is that i guess repeatable is the best word we'll see in 2022 if that's you know if that's really the logan webb del scafani alex wood alex cobb they're all guys that are like solid number three guys in a rotation but they also have track records where some years they're good and some years they're not too good so how are you feeling about this giant rotation after kevin gosman leaving i feel okay about it i mean part of that is that Initially, like I said, it was just one guy, even though that one guy is, you know, a 25 year old Webb who emerged in a huge way in in the regular season and in the playoffs when he dominated the Dodgers a couple of different times. So just to have four starters is is a relief in a lot of ways. But there is risk with with all of the three that they brought in and with Wood and Cobb there. They've had a lot of injury his, uh, in their careers. But I think that each and every guy is is a good pitcher. And so you've got four good starting pitchers right now. And I do think Logan Webb showed me enough to believe that he's probably going to be a front of the rotation type arm moving forward. Perhaps that's unwise, but I mean, he was just, his um, his development was incredible to witness firsthand. He went I forget what it is now. I think 14 or 15 straight starts in the middle of the season with three runs or fewer. Mm. I know uh, D-backs fans know about that with oh, Zach yeah. Gallen. And the consistency was incredible. And then the way he pitched in the postseason, I don't want to put too much stock into that, but it was the powerhouse Dodgers, and he completely overpowered them. And so I do view him now as a guy – I'm not saying he's like a top 10 pitcher in the game – but I think a uh, top 25 pitcher in the game and with, with a lot of upside with strikeout potential with ground ball, not just potential, he's one of the most elite ground ball pitchers in the game. And so that's a good formula, especially in San Francisco where it's already hard to hit the ball out of the ballpark. So I, I'm really high on Logan Webb, who's just 25, like I said. And then the rest of the guys are solid. I just think they need... I would like them to sign Carlos... Rodon because of the year that he just had. I mean, the year that he just had as dominant as Webb was Rodon was even on another level and there's injury concern. He, he didn't pitch deep into games at all. And in the second, in the last couple months of the year, and then uh, his velocity was in decline a little bit, but then his velocity was up in the playoffs, but then the White Sox didn't give him the qualifying offer. And that was really weird. And so, there's injury concern with Rodon as well. But yeah, I think that if they can stay healthy, it's it's a solid four in the rotation. And you're losing Cueto. Uh, to me, Cobb is like the Cueto replacement. And to me, that's an upgrade. So you've simply lost Gosman, which is a big loss. But can you replace it with a guy like Rodon? Maybe. So it's a work in progress is what I'll say. 
Yeah, Rodon is someone I talked a little bit on my own podcast because he seems like he's going to be the guy that a lot of teams go after because I don't think he's going to be breaking the bank because he does seem like a guy with a lot of red flags and I don't think anyone's going to give him a mega contract. But I think there's going to be a lot of suitors for him because he could be that high risk, high reward guy that pays off for you, you know, big time. He could be a Cy Young candidate. He could be next year's Robbie Ray in the right situation. So I think Rondone is someone that's going to have a lot of suitors, but I don't think he's going to be breaking the bank wherever he goes. And when you talk about Logan Webb in the playoffs, like Ben, you should probably put more stock into that than any other star he had, because like you said, he went against the villains, the Dodgers, the, the baddest team in baseball. And he absolutely dominated in the postseason. And I know baseball fans don't care about the playoffs and they don't care about winning, but no stage is bigger than the postseason. And we've seen historically great pitchers, <clears throat> Clayton Kershaw struggle on the biggest stages. And so if you have a guy who's a stud in the regular season and gets better in the playoffs, to me, that's even more valuable than doing the reverse and being the anti-clean, uh, being being the clean Kershaw. So I actually respect Logan Webb more if he is a really high-level starter in the regular season and then a, an elite ace in the postseason. Like, that's what I want from my players. I want them to go up a level when the game gets tougher. So I, I think Logan Webb is definitely the guy I trust the most in that rotation. Like you said, it's not a bad rotation. I think it's just like Logan Webb and then like three number three starters, but that's still a pretty big plus. Like even Del Scafani would probably be <laughs> the number two starter in a D-backs rotation. So I can I only crap on them so much. So uh, <laughs> I, I can't really talk too bad about the Giants rotation but I was going to talk to you about Chris Bryant but I think I'm going to save that for our bigger discussion on MLB free agents so let's just kind of segue to that Ben because I told you I was going to try to have you on here for like 35 minutes and we're already at 35 minutes and we haven't even talked free agents yet so let's just segue right into it Ben because I lied to you I said we won't keep you that long and we're already going over so MLB trade rumors they came out with their top 50 free agents list and we're just looking at the top 10 of the top 10, five of them were are already off the board. So we're just looking at the remaining top five free agents, according to MLB Trade Rumors. And we're going to start backwards, Ben, from the bottom. And the first name is Nick Castellanos, coming off a fantastic season with the Cincinnati Reds. MLB Trade Rumors is projecting maybe five years, $115 million deal. How do you feel about Castellanos? And where do you think is the best fit for him? Or what teams do you think might be interested in him after this lockout? This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calorie sugar, net carbs and fat, and high in protein. And that's what really gets me, is that the taste is absolutely fantastic, but usually when you're dealing with something that tastes so delicious and like a candy bar... You're getting a lot of sugar to go along with that, but Built Bar manages to avoid that entirely so you can feel good about eating these bars, even replacing those holiday desserts with holiday Built Bars and knowing that you're getting a healthy bar as well. So right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Castellanos is an interesting guy because mm -hmm. he is so good offensively potentially and he, he showed that this year the short season he didn't do well but we can kind of write off the short season at this point I don't even Most, count that season a lot of I, weird performances that year yeah, I mean 60 I mean. games people do weird things in 60 games so 
and then of course all the weird protocols and everything that was going on but monster 2021 opts out of the remaining contract he was under with the reds and the thing is though the man is not a good defensive player (laughs) and it just like flat out has to be said he's just not a good defensive player and so how much value do you put on a guy who can be elite offensively but not but the opposite of elite defensively and so it's a big question for me and that mlb trade rumors prediction of a hundred and whatever 15 million dollars i think is is hefty and um i guess i'll just say i think the marlins are kind of quietly a fit i think they'd like to continue to improve their team and he is a miami native and so they sometimes kind of randomly go out there and make an acquisition like this but also uh maybe possibly the rangers who are trying to really improve their team this offseason I think the best person to compare Castellanos to is probably a J.D. Martinez. So I'll ask you that, Ben. Do you feel like J.D. Martinez has been worth the money the last few years? Because he's basically, I think he got like a five-year, $120 million contract. He's basically the full-time DH for the Red Sox. But offensively, he's a beast. But defensively, he can't do crap. So Castellanos is probably going to get the same contract as a J.D. Martinez. So do you think J.D. Martinez has been worth the money that the Red Sox have paid him? Because that's probably going to tell the story for Castellanos. I think he has, but I also think that J.D. Martinez was more consistent. He mm, he was like consistently true. a monster, like a total monster, like one of the very best offensive players in the game year after year. And again, D-backs fans saw it firsthand when he was uh, acquired over there in a trade. But I mean, for a few years there, he was like 70% above average with, you know, hitting 330 with a 400 on base and 43 home runs. That's what he did in his first year in Boston and it's basically a replication of what he did in his in his year that he was partially with the D-backs. I don't think Nick Cassianos has been quite on that level. And so, but yeah, the other thing is JD Martinez has been a DH. And so, uh is Nick Cassianos trying to be an outfielder because different positions and if the I don't know. I I He's tough. He's a tough call because for me, he could be anywhere from kind of a low value guy to a hundred plus million dollar guy, depending on who you ask. Yeah, I feel like I would be okay with five years, a hundred million, if what we saw in twenty twenty one is what we're gonna get for the next few years. Because I don't think offensively he is as good as the JD Martinez. Because Martinez absolutely dominates the strike zone, getting on base, the power. JD Martinez, the whole package. Casianos has been pretty good throughout his career. I think his days in Detroit are kind of kind of underrated at this point, but what he's done in Cincinnati this past season is definitely a different level than what he did in Detroit. So I think the big question really is, are we going to get the universal DH after the CBA lockout? Because if we do, that's going to open up, what, 15 new suitors for Nick Castellanos that might, or at least a few new suitors if they're like, okay, now we just have to put him at DH. We don't really have to worry about his defensive liability issue so uh, he's definitely an interesting guy I think my prediction for Castellanos though is the Milwaukee Brewers just because they lost Garcia to the Marlins I believe they also lost my guy Eduardo Escobar to the Mets Christian Yelich hasn't really looked the same since you know getting those MVPs those back-to-back MVPs he hasn't really looked the same the last couple years so I think they need some major juice in their lineup I don't think I, I really don't love their lineup offensively from a pitching standpoint 
They may have the best rotation in baseball. They have an elite bullpen, but their lineup, I think, needs a little bit more juice. So I think I like a Castellanos to the Milwaukee Brewers who desperately need some more offense. But Ben, next up on this list, I got Trevor Story written down. Projected six years, 126. Same question for Trevor Story. What teams do you think would be interested in him? in him or what teams do you think would be the best fit for Trevor story? It's another tough call because he had a down year for the Rockies. And so uh, the six year, $126 million prediction. I'm just, uh, he might be one of those guys who ends up signing a much smaller deal than, than what is predicted to kind of try to rebuild some value. I know for a fact he wants to get out of Colorado. That seems pretty apparent. So I think <laughs> he's happy to be a free agent and, and see what his options are. Again, I think the Rangers are a, are a fit. Uh, well, maybe not actually now that they've signed Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Where the heck is would Story play? So uh, I don't know. The the Phillies have have some issues in their in their in their team in general. I think they could use an infusion of of talent like that. I know they've got DD Gregorius at shortstop, but I think Trevor story could possibly move around for me. He's athletic enough where he could possibly play the outfield. And that would open up a lot of possibilities, especially if he was willing, he's a really good runner, which is kind of rare for a, a player. Who's also a really good shortstop. So I'm not any team I think could use a guy like that. Oh yeah. If they consider him a guy who can play outfield, it just opens up so many different possibilities. Possibly the Astros if they lose out on Carlos Correa, which seems likely at this point. Yeah, and I love Trevor Story. I mean, I think he's listed at number eight on MLB Trade Rumors Top 50 Free Agents. And I might like him more than a Corey Seager or Carlos Correa because I don't care if he had a down season. I, I truly love the talent of a Trevor Story. I think he's shown enough from his past where he could be like a 320 hitter, 40-plus home runs. And the dude, like you said, he's a lot faster than people realize, like, he led the league in stolen bases in 2020. He's been like a 30 stolen base guy before. And because of the wheels he has, I kind of like him to the New York Yankees who seem to be in the market for a shortstop. They love to get the power hitters. He just seems like a Yankee. And they also need the speed in their lineup. They just have a lot of plotters in their lineup. It's a big reason why they traded for Tim LaCastro from the D-back just because they're like – freak it we need anyone who can run and steal a base so why not go after tim lacastro and also they got dj lemayu a little course connection there so why not go to the yankees i don't like it when the yankees get anybody of that kind of talent but i, I think it would probably be a good fit for trevor story a big market could finally get out of cores maybe get some recognition on his name as well put some respect on trevor story's name so i guess i wouldn't mind seeing him go to the new york yankees but next up on the list ben is your guy number four on mlb Trade Rumors Top 50 Free Agents, Chris Bryant, projected six years, $160 million. Are the Giants bringing him back, or are they just going to let him walk like a Kevin Gosman, Ben? All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Coming up tomorrow, I'm going to finish this conversation with Millard. Of course, we're going to talk first about Chris Bryant and where I think he'll end up and if I think that's with the Giants or not. So a lot more to get to. We get through all the top remaining free agents and where their potential fits are. And again, Carlos Correa is a name that continues to come up as a possibility for the San Francisco Giants. So please come back tomorrow for that. Just a reminder, we are now three days a week for, I think, a couple of months. And then, of course, we'll resume daily podcasts after that. 
Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out so much. So thank you in advance and thank you to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.